Well, this morning, I've invited you to turn there to uh, Colossians chapter 3 with me. Set free from destructive patterns today, part 4. Up to now, Paul has been speaking to us in the first couple of chapters, and he's been extremely theological. And it's been some rich... uh, aspects for a foundation of faith and he was trying to battle the mystics and the gnostics of that day and uh, the church was uh, they were attempting to dilute it to pollute it to really mess it up and so paul was just man he was bringing this word to us here this morning through these chapters and then in chapter three uh, as we get into it you're going to see he's going to begin to shift it it'll it'll go from really theological foundational to more practical and how we can kind of live it out and how it affects us, especially next weekend. But today there's just some great truths that I want us to look at together because we've talked about how Christ is creator, he's redeemer, he's sustainer, he holds all things together and how powerful that is for our lives. And then he gets into this aspect of uh, talking about setting our minds, setting our hearts on things above. This one pastor in California, I believe his name's Tim Hansel, he once said that a symbol of the Christian life ought to be thumbs up. He said that, that ought to really be one of the symbols that we have, that it's a reminder to Christ's followers that our hope lies above. Just as we walk around with our thumb up. So maybe we could almost look at each other this week and just kind of, hey, thumbs up, man. My faith rests in the risen in the reality of Jesus Christ, the one that seats heavenly, seats in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And he'll talk to us about that ever so quickly here in Colossians 3. Have you, have you ever heard this expression? You're so heavenly minded, you're no... No, wait a minute. Did you hear that? You're so heavenly minded, you're no... Thank you. You, you and my wife, y'all get the prize, Okay. Yeah, you've heard that. It's like they, people walk around in some proverbial theological smoke cloud. And I think we do need, I mean, the scriptures exhort us to set our minds on things above. And we'll see it right here in Colossians 3. But then he also wants us to come down and he wants us to walk out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we express our faith. Our, our thoughts, I'd write this thought down. This is a bonus. Our thoughts influence our actions. How many agree with that statement this morning? What you think about is who you become. That's what Scripture teaches. And the very thoughts that you and I have on a daily basis, moment by moment, hour by hour, minute by minute, that impacts, influences the the steps that I walk out in faith. Earlier here, he talks about died and raised, death, resurrection. He he gets here in this beautiful chapter here in 3, and let's just look at it together. Chapter 3, starting verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, that, that is just beautiful gospel text. It, it's, it's who Jesus is. And, and what I would write in the first blank... Position in Christ changes everything. I love positional truth. When I read the gospel, when I read Philippians, the book of joy, 
It talks about position. And, and you'll, if you'll go back and do a study sometime and see every time you see the word in Christ, in Christ, all, all through Philippians, and he was trying to position them to see who they have become, who their identity is in Jesus. And here in, in this account, I think there's a positional teaching that he just says, since then, if, if you're in Christ, this, he changes everything. We, we celebrate. When we celebrate baptism, somebody has been lowered. They have been buried with Christ, dead to their sin, and they don't stay there. And they're raised to the glorious new life of the resurrection in Jesus. It's a symbol of new life. It's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of a Christ follower. It's a symbol of a person that says, my time is now. It's a position in Jesus. It's, I would say this position is a game changer. This position changes everything about you and me. I, I remember for me, when I first met Christ, it radically changed my relationships, my thought patterns, my behaviors, my actions, everything that I did, things I thought about, things I didn't think about, new thoughts I began to get because of the Scripture and the Holy Spirit working in me. It was just a game changer. So this morning, I'm just wondering, have you had that game-changing event with Jesus? Because when you come to Christ, when you radically, biblically repent of sins and trust fully in the atonement and the shed blood and the righteousness and you have a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything the church said. I mean, everything. That is awesome. You're like, well, you're always boasting and ranting about that. I have nothing else to boast in but the cross of Jesus and his love and his power. And I, I love this. And here he, he talks about setting our mind that, that that set you know some of you you set the table you know what it is to set it some of you have you you set the dvr does anybody have that job at your house besides me yeah you set the dvr you're like well you know whatever and and so you you, you lock into that you, you set for something you want to watch something you want to view here he goes hey i want you to set i want you to expect something to happen in other words when I set the DVR, I have to be intentional about setting that if I don't want to watch a certain program. How much more do you and I have to be intentional about setting our minds and our hearts on Jesus? It doesn't just come. Oh, we can say we love God, we praise God, and maybe we do, maybe we don't. But to really be devoted and sold out to Christ... It's an intentional act. It's a daily discipline. It's a moment-by-moment -moment discipline. Lord, I set my heart, I set my mind on you. Because, Lord, I know that's going to bring good things to pass because you're perfect, you're holy. So I, I do that. Position in Christ changes. Look at the second one here. You put to death. He begins to give this language about putting things to death. Now, man, that's part of the Christian life. A lot of people don't talk about that enough. I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives. It's Christ who lives in me by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and gave himself for you. You go to death. You put yourself to death. And, and Paul here, in a beautiful way, he just begins to talk about this language here. Put it to death. Matter of fact, let's just look here. Chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as this. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And you put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of your creator. That, that's what scripture teaches us, that we have to 
put to death. We have to lay that aside. We have to pick up Christ and we, we follow him, not trying harder, but really looking at the identity that we now have in Jesus. Identity. I, I love that word. You know, in, in our society today, we talk a lot about stolen identity. And you, um, my wife was one of the first shredders. I, I didn't really understand it. I'm just being naive. I'll be honest with you. She, I think we had the I don't think we had the first one, but we, we had a shredder early on. And I, I remember I used to come in, I'd kid her, I'd go, why, why are you doing that? That's just a lot of extra work, man. Let's just throw it in the trash. Do I have any witnesses in here? I mean, this is years ago, you know, like whatever. And, and, and now that's my job, the shredding bucket, you know. I get over here and shred these documents. But, it, but it's important because we don't want our identity taken. We don't want it stolen. You don't want your identity stolen. I, I, at least I hope you don't. But this identity, Jesus says, I'll give you a new one. I'm going to give you my life. If you'll die, but, but you don't get his life unless you die. So right next to number five, just right down there, daily death. You kill the things in this life that are not of him. You, you, you like, Lord, um, I just want to, I want to die to this. I, I want to, I want to kill that. I mean, when you use the word kill, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty strong language, isn't it? I mean, to murder something, to destroy something, to, to annihilate something. And, uh, because if we don't, Jesus knows this, if you and I are not willing to kill the things of the flesh, they will eventually ruin us. They will paralyze us. They will stifle us. They will grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, they'll, they'll just mess us up. So Jesus says, I've died for these things. Put them to death. Have, have nothing. It's like the drunk, uh, the, the drunk. Maybe it is drunk. The junk drawer of self. Do, do y'all have a junk drawer at home? Does anybody have a junk drawer? It, it, isn't that a fun experience when you just put your hand in there and you, you wonder what's going to come out? And you just kind of stick your I mean, you know, it's, ah, you know it's, I know it's in this drawer. And you pull it out. I mean, almost everybody has a junk drawer. You're like, well, I don't have a junk drawer. I have a junk chest. Okay, a junk, a junk closet. Okay, all right. A, a Paul gives this answer here, and he's talking about, hey, this junk drawer, all this bad stuff, you, you need to get rid of it. And he gives a list here of stuff that we really need to pack up with and we need to run to that. And, and, but you know what I've learned about the Christian life? You and I many times are quick to run back to the old man, to the old flesh, and not to Jesus. And Jesus says, come unto me and I'll be renewed and I'll give you new life. You know, there, there's a prison. It used to be really high security out in California. Y'all have all heard of Alcatraz. And, uh, you know, at one time it was one of the most secure prisons in the world because of just simply where it's located out there in the middle of the ocean. And, like, you know, you got you to swim to try to get off there. And, of course, there's been great movies about it. But sometimes people would get free and people get out of prison or whatever. But when people get released a lot of times, sometimes they have a hard time coming into society and acclimating to freedom. They run back to the old life because that's all they know or that's what they're comfortable with. That's their comfort zone. And I think you see the parallel. Sometimes spiritually, we've been made new. We've been adopted. We've been grafted into God through Jesus Christ, our faith in Him. How precious that is. But sometimes we want to run back to the old flesh, to the old man. And God's not glorified in that. As a matter of fact, they, I mean, you, you look at a prisoner or somebody running back to prison life. Could you imagine getting out of prison and then going, but oh, I long to be back in there. I love the three meals a day. I love the hard bunk. You know, you got a bad life, okay? But here's what I'm saying to you. Spiritually, we do the same thing. We just run back. We don't acclimate to the, to the grace and to the mercy of Jesus. And Paul here is like, set your heart, set your mind on things above. He, you know, Paul, 
he uses metaphors. I, I love metaphors. And he, and he talks about garments, and he talks about clothes, and he talks about put off, and he talks about put on things. You, you and I know about putting on things. And uh, the very first one he talks about, and I could give you Greek lesson till, till, you know, till all afternoon, but there's this sexual immorality. And in the Greek language, because it's so precise and it's so exact, and one of the basic words is pornea. And it means to be filled with sexual sin and lust. And we get from the word pornea, por, pornography, yeah. And then he goes through all, in the Greek language, he goes through all these levels because Paul doesn't want to leave any stone untouched. And there's these great Greek words. And you could bind the different levels of sexual immorality. And he's like, man, these are the things you need to die to. This is the Bible says this is what the wrath of God's coming for, which is not a very good thing. And he says these things are indecent, they're disgusting, there's an unrestrained appetite for things that are not pleasing to the Lord. And he just begins, and so he lists that sin just right there off the bat, and he goes, hey, don't do these things. Put it to death. Uh, part of it would even be idolatry. And then in verse 8, look down there in verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8. So he's talking about you know, you used to walk in these ways, rid yourself of it. And then verse 8, he just says this, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. And then he goes, now get rid of anger. What's uh, the, the Greek word would be orge. And it just simply means a continuous, continuous attitude of hatred that bottles up within you. You know, some of us, probably all of us have had to deal with hate, maybe at different depths and different levels. But when we don't love, we're really hating somebody. And, and Jesus says, you know, you gotta, you got to get rid of that. I mean, this hatred thing, this anger, just put off the anger. I don't have a place. And he talks about rage. Rage is an outburst of anger, quick-tempered, uncontrolled behavior. Don't raise your hand, but does anybody in here struggle with that? Okay, a few of us, okay. How about malice? You have malice in your heart. You have malice toward another person. And basically, it's doing evil despite the good that has been received. It's an evil force that takes over man, and it destroys relationships. And God says, man, I, I don't want you to have anger, and I don't want you to have rage, and I don't want you to have malice. And then, and then he says, now, put off this filthy talk, this crude of seeing joking and gestures and abrasive language. I, I don't want you to have anything to do with that. I want, you to, I want you to put that off, man. That's the, that's the old man. That's the old flesh. Because I'm going to give you something new. And we're going we're gonna to build here in a minute. We're going to talk about what Paul, what Jesus is trying to say to us about. Here's what I want you to put on. These are the garments that are attractive. But these things we're talking about right now, we could study them for, for hours. They're, they're not attractive. They're unwholesome. They're unchristlike. They're, um, they're, they're just full of death. They're full of the wrath to come. And God says, I, I don't want you to do that. I want, they're untouchable. But he goes, set your heart on things above. Set your mind. Set, set your affections on the Lord. This morning, I'm just curious, what, what are your affections on? If I went up and down the road and go, what, what's your affection on? You'd go, man, my affections are on my mate. Man, that's a good thing. My affections are on my kids, on my grandkids. My affections are on this thing. My affections are on my golf game. My affections are on whatever. We'd, we'd have a lot of different affections in here. But I want to appeal to the spiritual man. Jesus said, set your affections on me. Above all things, make me Lord. Bring me into every realm of life that you participate in. Let me be the center. Remember last weekend when Chris sang that great song, Jesus Be the Center? Wasn't that, wasn't that powerful? 
And just talked about Christ. Be, be the center of this. Let my mind be occupied with you. Jesus, come into this dimension of my life and conquer it and consume it and conform it and be the centerpiece, be the controlling. He goes, but now your life's hidden in Christ. Now, now your life's hidden. So it's, it's a mystery. Remember last weekend we talked about the mystery and the affection of the things above and your daily activity. And it's tied to Christ now. And I continually remember him and, and I want to walk out. I, I read this. I love it. It says, when, when we hear that somebody's walking with the Lord, do you ever use that terminology? Hey, are you walking with the Lord? Do you know if they're walking with the Lord? I, I use that term sometimes. Like, hey, do, do they know Christ? Or do they have fellowship with God? Do they, are they walking in step with the Spirit? Would be another way the Scripture would say. And basically, it's like a walk, of course, means a walk is something that consists of what? Some steps. And another step. And another step. And, and it's just a series of steps. So are you walking? It's, a, it's an ongoing, it's a continuous process. Around our house right now, uh, I, I've watched it so many times with my own daughters. I've watched it with your kids. And it's just amazing to watch. It's, it's so fun. And then it's so crazy to watch moms as they have rest never again. But like... Okay, I want my kid to walk. And right now, our granddaughter, man, her grandparents are in the house today, okay? If you see four people that their chest are poked out and they're pumped up, it's because their granddaughter's here, okay? And, and she's right on the cusp of getting ready to walk. And she, and she pulls up on stuff. And, and sometimes she'll just she'll stand over there and she'll reach out and she'll grab your hand. And, and it's like, I just know any day, any day, man, she's going to walk. And when she walks, I'm going to let the world know my granddaughter walks. You're like, wow, is it that big of a deal? Oh, it's a big deal. You don't tell me. I've listened to you hypocrites. No, here, here. My kid's walking. Some of you have even told me, hey, my kid goes potty. Oh, boy, that's what I want to know. That's awesome. By their self. You know, that's the thing around here. Are your kids potty trained or not? It's really kind of funny. You see these little stickers? I'm not potty trained yet. Okay, there's a reason for that. Okay. All right. But here, back to the analogy. A step. She's going to take a step, and then she's going to put another foot, another foot, and she's going to walk. That's what it is with Jesus. Just one step. It's another step. Here it is. Nathan introduced to you all to four things today that we've been praying about and discussing. Four steps is, uh, or four, I guess we should call it four steps, Nathan, not four things. But the four things we want you to do is take steps. There's steps of obedience. There's steps of faith. And Paul here He's just trying to encourage us, man, set your heart, set your affections on things above. Put on these attitudes. Here, uh, so position in Christ changes, put to death everything. And I, somehow I messed up on here, and you've got to write this in today. Put it in here. Put on these attitudes, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Put on this. This is essential to you as a Christ follower. Matter of fact, um, I've got an image that's going to come up. I, I want it to, there it is. Hey, I, I love, do you, do you ever watch that show? Have you ever watched that show? All the women go, oh, yeah, somebody else needs to watch it. Okay, all right, here it is. What not to wear. Great show. Now, what I have talked to you all about this morning was what not to wear. It's just a creative way to tell you, don't wear these things. Like in this show, they look for people that need fashion help. Maybe you're sitting next to one, but don't look at them, okay? You know, I, I'm blessed I have a girl's. Finally got a son several years ago, Jeremy. I love him. 
You know, I finally got a vote. But, but before that, and my girls will help me not go out, you know, like, <laughs> this is so funny. They're, you know, we're, you know, especially, you know, being a pastor, and I'm always speaking or doing stuff, and come out, and they're like, Dad, are you going to wear that? And that's like, in other words, <laughs> well, I'm walking to church, I'm, you know, before they had a license. I'm out riding with you. Man, that was ridiculous, you know. And, you know, and a thought occurred to me one day. I did something right. I got your mom. I, I don't know how I did that. But apparently I dressed myself then. I, I don't know. But I do, hey, can, I just want to know, I want to start a support group for this. Do men in here, do, and, and I'd buy a lot of clothes myself. I, sometimes I do pretty good. Sometimes I don't have a clue. Sometimes colors mess me up. Do I have a witness here? Sometimes I want to match colors that are wrong. Just raise your hand. Go ahead and be humble. Do, do any men in here struggle matching stuff sometimes? Bunch of hypocrites, you know. Oh, no, I have perfect taste. All right, all right, so we're not going to see you on that show. Well, here he goes, he goes, I, I want you to put on these things. You know, because, you know, that show you can live in secret, that they're going to show up, they go, ah, you're on our show, we need to give you a wardrobe makeover. Well, I think Jesus is saying, you're in need of some new clothing. I want you to put on these garments. And he tells us what they are, and, and they're attractive, they're, they're winsome. He, I think Jesus would say, I want you to have a spiritual clothing makeover. And in this spiritual clothing, these are going to be things that are going to be so winsome and so holy and such a blessing, and it's going to be your new identity. So what to wear? Number one, wear my ID. Wear my identity. Wear the identity of Jesus. If you do anything, I want you to just put on the clothing of Christ. I want you to put on Jesus. Because Jesus is all that matters. And the rest of it is just kind of crazy. Lord, new identity revealed. Lord, I, I, I. see, they understood at Colossae. Colossae was like the fashion capital of the world at that time. There was a tremendous uh, wool industry, a lot of sheep right there in that area of the country. And a lot of clothing came out of that. And they even had a special dye, Colosseum, and it was a red in color, and people would travel great distances to get this dye, this wool, because they wanted to look the part. See, Paul, he, he's, a, he's a master at metaphors. And he's trying to tell us, even here, historically, they understood about clothing, and, 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 and it was important to us. But I'm thinking about, what, what do we do? Like, some of the basic elements in that day were a toga. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you probably wore toga and did foolish things earlier in your life, okay? And uh, maybe in college or something. And then the other was a tunic, and a tunic was basically just kind of a, a long t-shirt that just kind of, you know, wrapped around you. And then the men, they had another element, and it was a signet ring. And this was their personal identity. It, it, it identified them. And what I think Paul is telling us, what Jesus is telling us here through Scripture today, I want you to wear my identity. I want to give you my life. I've given up my life that you might have it. But to get my life, you've got to do something. You've got to die. If you're willing to die to yourself and die to your desires and die to your flesh and put off the old stuff, then you can put on this new clothing. And it's a great brand. It's the Jesus brand. Isn't it great? The Jesus brand. You know? Like, you know, I always tell you, hey, get these stickers. Go to the visitor center today and get the Christ Community stickers. They're free now. Okay, you don't have to pay for them anymore. But just watch how you drive once you put one on, okay? I mean, that's important because that's our brand. 
But I want to appeal a lot higher than a, a sticker. Put on Jesus, and then watch how you live. So he talks here about, uh, like, okay, here we go, clothing. You understand. I want you to look down at yourself right now. Everybody look down. Just, just kind of look, just kind of look over your outfit. Okay? Now look back up. Now, I want you to be honest. Why did you put on what you've got on? Now, I'm going to give you a couple answers, I think. You put it on because it was fashionable. You thought it looked good. Okay? You put it on because your wife told you. Good answer. You put it on because it was extremely comfortable. Some of you went, no, none of those reasons. I put it on for this reason. It was clean. Okay? <laughs> Clothing. And, and, and I, want you, I want you to think about this lesson all week. Because I don't want any of you to go to work naked. Okay? I want everybody to wear clothes. So when you put on your clothes, I want you to think about it. I'm putting on Christ. I mean, Jesus, I want to put you on. And I, I want to be appealing to the world in the terms that I'm the light. I'm the light of Christ. I, I let my light shine for him. Everything about clothes, you know, fabric, patterns, it, 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 it marked the ancient Romans. You know, we hadn't really changed. Our, our clothing marks us. Our clothing is important to us as Westerners. I, I understand that. But, but I, I want to get so far past that. I want us to think about the wardrobe of Jesus. Righteousness and holiness and peace and compassion and humility and all the great things that we'll look at here. So spiritual, here, write this somewhere. Your spiritual identity has changed now. You've been set free. The whole series in Colossians about being set free. Jesus is like, put off the old self. You don't have to live that way anymore. Now you're free. Now you can live the life I want you to. So you wear my identity. Um, I like this. This one article by C.N. Bellick, he says, Why athletes choke. Focusing on the future rather than why you failed in the past prepares you to perform at your best. I want you to focus on the future. I want you to focus on Christ, on the realities of heaven, and bring it to pass in this life, okay? Then I want you to move to this one. Clothe myself in grace. Here, down there, about verse 12 and building through 13, he just talks about, hey, we, we need to put on Christ and and um, we, we clothe ourselves in grace and how important that is. And he's our identity. I, I, I love the story that I read about uh, Mary Bird. Mary Bird was a little short, stocky, robust, happy teacher. She loved her kids. And they were having a hearing test one day at school. And so they were going to uh, do these sounds and cover up one ear and the other and they wanted to see what their aptitude was and how, or how they could hear how, how well it was and there there was this one little kid in the class and uh, this child was a little different and had been born with a cleft palate and his mouth kind of sagged and it drug its language and had a hard time and a lot of people made fun of this little this little boy it was just it was tough for him and miss mary bird was very sensitive to him and so she would go up and she would say something in everybody's ear and then they would repeat it like, hey, the sky is blue, the, the birds are singing. And, and the little boy, he's, he's already challenged and he's having it hard and he's just kind of over there by himself. And, uh, but, he, but he knew Miss Bird liked him and so Miss Bird walks up to him and she just whispers in his ear. And as she whispers in his ear, says, I wish you were my little boy boy looked at her she goes i wish you were my little boy and that's what god says to you and me i wish you were my little boy 
I wish you were my little girl by faith in my son. I believe in you. You're accepted in Christ. Now, I know that's a pretty crazy story to think about. For this little boy, it meant everything. But how much more is it for the Father to sing over us and to tell us, you're mine. I believe in you. You're, I've adopted you. So we clothe ourselves in grace. It's, that, it's, it's radi- just right now the word radiating grace from the inside out. Christ has changed you. And it just flows. It's, it's an aroma. It's a fragrance. It's a blessing. It, it has to be seen. Um, and, and it just revolves. And it, 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 it's an amazing thing. And then he, he, he walks down here. I want you to see this real quickly. He, he talks about do not lie to each other and take off your old self in verse 9, but in verse 10, you put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Okay? But earlier here, he talks about forgiveness. And I saw this clip. It's an old clip, but I, I, I got intrigued. I started just watching and reading the story, and I went on the internet, and I read everything I could about this person. Maybe you remember the trial. It was sometime around 1984, so it goes way back. And, and, there's, and there's a book that's come out of it called Picking Cotton. Maybe you've read the book. I don't know. But Jennifer Thompson was in college, and she was assaulted. She'd been raped, and she accused this man, Ronald Cotton, she accused him of the crime and he said i I didn't do it and he went to prison for 11 years 11 years he spent in prison for a crime he didn't do and then with new science and dna and and a witness that came forward the man was pardoned he he had been done wrong but i want you to see this clip it it is so powerful i I want you to see what happens in the story of these two watch this clip with me shame terrible shame suffocating, debilitating shame. But when she thought or dreamed about that night, it was still Ronald Cotton's face she saw. To get past it, she asked if he would meet with her at a local church. I remember him walking into the church and I physically could not stand up. Two nerves, scared. I started to cry immediately. And I looked at him and I said, Ron, if I spent every second of every minute of every hour for the rest of my life telling you how sorry I am, it wouldn't come close to how my heart feels. I'm so sorry. And Ronald just leaned down and took my hand. Oh, God. And he looked at me and he said, I forgive you. I told her, I told him, I forgive you. I want you to look over your shoulder. I just want us to be happy and move on in life. The minute he forgave me, it's like my heart physically started to heal. And I thought, this is what grace and mercy is all about. This is what they teach you in church that none of us ever get. And here was this man that I had hated with, I mean, I used to pray every day of my life during those 11 years that he would die, that he would be raped in prison and someone would kill him in prison. That was my prayer to God. And here was this man who, with grace and mercy, just forgave me. Ronald Cotton, now 47 years old, has worked hard to rebuild his life. He works the late shift in a factory. He's been married for 12 years and has a 10-year-old daughter. They live in a house paid for with money North Carolina paid in restitution. 
$10,000 for each of the 11 years he spent in prison. When he can, he joins Jennifer and her campaign for reforms. One of the most amazing things to have come out of this miscarriage of justice is the most unlikely of friendships. Jennifer and Ron say they speak on the phone about once a week. They're families of friends. They say they have a shared bond that is hard for most people to fathom. That's the church, isn't it? Just a secular news show telling this story, and uh, Jennifer and Ryan got it. Grace and mercy. Matter of fact, let me give it to you, chapter 3, 14 and 15. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members one body you were called to peace. But put on this wardrobe. Put on love. Put on the love of your Savior. Be clothed in it. Be attractive for him. Three, wrap myself in gratitude. Just be a grateful person. We talked about that some last weekend, how important that was. It's just a quote that's going to come up. It's going to go, gratitude is the most helpful emotion in, in a human can feel. There's evidence that gratitude can actually increase immunities along with other physical benefits. Your immune system, we are, the Bible says you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we're forgiving people, when we're grace-oriented people, when we're loving people, when we're thankful people, God even releases immunities and he releases healing agents and properties in our bodies. How many of you believe that this morning? I do. You get all, I've talked to many people, maybe they've got cancer, maybe they've got heart disease, maybe they've got some, something that's really tough, and if they're harboring, they're unforgiving, they just shrivel up, and God's just created us with such a greater capacity. Just write down this word, tank up on things. Just tank it up. Fill up your tank. Fill up your soul with the love of Christ. I was thinking about this earlier. There was a, a guy few years ago just to think about his love and his life and how powerful he was and how he was a grateful person we had friday night services and they brought him in in a van one night and he had als he was the longest living person i've ever known to live with that debilitating disease on top of his career and it hit him about 30 31 his name was brad christian and brad came in here one night and we prayed over him for healing, and God ultimately healed him. He took him home. But Brad, I, I was just thinking about him all week, about how grateful this guy was. And right above his bed, I went to his house one day, right above his bed was a picture of Jesus that hung over his hospital bed. And he led his family through ALS. He got to where he was so debilitated, so paralyzed, the only thing he could do was eye movement. And he communicated to his wife and his kids, and he led his family through his eyes and he had so much love, and I just thought, wow, Lord, I can see, I can hear, I can eat, I can walk, I can think, I can do. Lord, I need to be grateful. And I just thought about Brad. He was trapped in that body. But today, he rules with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. Amen? And that's the hope that you and I have. We, we live in gratitude in the last one. We soak in the word of Christ. We just soak in the goodness of God. It's like, uh, you ever been in a hot tub? And you don't want to get out, do you? You just get in there and 
you know, all the bubbles, and it's just hot, and you just like, and you get out, you look like a prune. You know, you just shrivel up. You just soak. It's wonderful. Well, that's the picture I want you to think about this morning. I just want you to soak in the love of Christ. And one of the ways you do that is you just spend time in His Word every day, letting the Word of Christ fill you richly. And here's another way you do it. You get mp3s and you get music and you get cds and you get the music we do here on the weekends and you listen to caleb you do all these different things and you just let the word of christ fill you and you soak up on jesus and he just becomes more and more and more and you realize so the four things that i want to give you quickly i've already given them to you number one you wear his identity secondly you clothe yourself in the grace of god third you wrap yourself in the gratitude with a grateful heart and then you just soak yourself, you immerse yourself in the Word of Christ that you might be thankful and it overflows because you're rooted, established deeply in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, it is so good to look at this book at Colossae and to see that you want to give each of us a new wardrobe, the wardrobe of your Son, Father. And I pray that we would run and embrace Christ I pray we'd run to the cross. I pray we would run to the throne of God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm in need of salvation. I'm in need of a Savior. I've realized today I'm a sinner and I fall short. Christ Jesus, come. I want to receive you, Jesus. Be born in me. Make me new. Make me holy. Give me heaven when I die. But give me a life now full and abundant, full of joy, full of power. You are good, God. You are worthy, and I'll worship you.